Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the show that helps you reach your full potential with your host, Lisa Tarmati, brought to you by lisatarmati.com. Hey everyone, so excited for this interview today. I have Maggie and Bradley Jones. Uh, they are filmmakers and Maggie is a cancer survivor and the film that is being made uh, right now is called Cancer Revolution and it's all about the metabolic approach to cancer and the whole story of cancer, why we went down this genetic uh, rabbit hole for so many decades, the limitations of that and we talk about some of the incredible scientists that they have in this movie um, who are sharing their research. And uh, we tell Maggie's story, which is an absolutely incredible story. So I do hope you, you enjoy this podcast. And I really hope that you you follow this movie, that you uh, maybe even contribute a small uh, financial donation to help them finish the movie off. It costs a lot to do this type of projects, but it's such important work. Getting this information out there will help save lives. So um, please um, take a look at that. Before we head over to the show with Maggie and Bradley, um, I just want to remind you about our epigenetics program. Uh, this is our flagship program that we are run um, for a number of years now, and we have taken hundreds and hundreds of people through this. You'll hear us talk about in this episode about epigenetics and how important it is. Um, this is all about understanding your genes, but more importantly, not only what your genes are, but how to live your in the best environment for those genes, what type of food to eat, what times of the day to exercise, what types of exercise, what type of work will be suitable to you, your different mood and behavior genes, your appetite regulation genes, your, oh, there's just so many aspects to what this is all about. Um, if you want to find out more, uh, please head over to lisatarmity.com and hit the work with us button and you'll see our peak epigenetics program there. We also have our run coaching. We um, do customized, personalized run training programs for athletes, whether they are absolute beginners or whether you're doing your um, ultra marathons or you're like Andrew McCrory, one of our runners who's just run right through New Zealand. Shout out to Andrew. Uh, well done. Um, and yeah, check that out as well. So running as well as our epigenetics program, we also do speaking, books, corporate programs, and much, much more. So check it all out. Um, I hope you enjoy this episode. Obviously, uh, I've done a couple of uh, episodes now around the theme of cancer because I'm personally dealing with it on a day-to-day basis and um, realizing that this information needs to get out there, all this metabolic side of cancer and not just the chemo and radiation and uh, you know chemo drugs side of things, but also what you can proactively do to prevent cancer and what you can do if you have cancer. And if you're like mum who's been told it's terminal, they're not always right. If you're like Maggie, been told she was terminal, had months to live, that's now years ago, and she is well and healthy. So this is a really important episode. I hope you enjoy it. Now over to the show with Maggie and Brad. Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to Pushing the Limits today. I am super excited. I have two amazing people. I have Bradley and I have Maggie with me, and they are a powerhouse duo behind a new documentary that is coming out soon, or a new movie, Cancer. It's all about cancer, um, and as you guys know my story with my mum, I'm very interested in this topic, so I came across these guys, and I thought I have to get them on. So welcome to the show. Uh, it's fantastic to have you. How are you doing today? 
Fantastic. We are so grateful to be on this, to have figured out your story and just to be able to contribute to you spreading the message. Yeah, thank you so much for having us today, Lisa. Oh, it's fantastic. So, guys, where do we start? I think we start with Maggie's story. Would that be a great place to start? Maggie, do you want to share a little bit about your journey? Of course. Uh, I think some of your listeners may know uh, I was diagnosed with terminal cancer back in 2018. I was given less than a year to live. Uh, I was lung cancer, non-smoker, that had spread to everywhere. My liver, uh, two tumors, eventually four in my brain, two in my eye, and over a dozen lymph nodes in my chest and abdomen. I have pictures on my website where you can see the tumors popping out of my neck. I mean, everything was visible. I was dying. I was on oxygen. It was the end. Uh, at first, I just wanted to be a good patient, to die well, to have Brad be proud of me. And that lasted about a week. <laughs> and at the end, <laughs> first weekend after my diagnosis, I was reading up and I decided to, decided to start my first fast. And I'd never fasted before. Uh, it was 24 hours. And since then, I resolved to only eat foods that would be actively healing to my body. Actual food is medicine. And poor Brad had to run around Hong Kong, where we lived at the time, trying to find all this organic uh, food. And I started reading more and more about the metabolic theory of cancer and the metabolic approach and treatments. So I started a uh, ketogenic diet. I happened to be plant-based, but that's certainly not a requirement. And uh, I saw a lot of improvement very, very quickly. Wow. And it was one year after my diagnosis that I was completely cancer-free. Uh, no evidence of disease were my scans. Uh, it's been over two years now that I continue to have clean scans. I will note for your listeners that uh, I have some side effects from my treatment. Yep. The radiation that I got from my brain tumors has resulted yep. in bright radiation necrosis. Yep. So sometimes you'll hear my speech is a little off. Uh, yeah. I think it's beautiful. Off. It's pretty bloody <laughs> good to be. Yeah, like three years out from her diagnosis, two years cancer-free, we're not dealing with cancer anymore. We're dealing with the effects of the medicine that was used to help her, which honestly I shouldn't use it that. Quote. It life. did help her, yeah. but you know, obviously we're a little upset that, you know, like the medicine is now what we're dealing with. Uh, with yeah. You know, I t- so, totally get that. And yeah. actually I'm going through that right now. Um, having made the difficult decision, do you do any conventional? And we were actually like, you know, with mum's story, complete, you know, like turnaround uh, from yep, terminal cancer, very fast moving, aggressive B-cell lymphoma to um, in eight weeks of doing the diet, doing very strict diet. She wasn't happy with me, but we did it <laughs> and we're doing it in combination with a whole lot of off-label drugs and that's what we're going to get into today and, and the whole the whole thing around this metabolic approach. But in eight weeks, we had a MRI scan just five weeks ago now and it came back, you know, the words were almost total resolution of the tumours and amazing. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I get Maggie's story and I've seen your pictures and I've just like – Wow, you know, we only had them in the brain only, but we had them in the brain, a different type. And obviously, mum's eighty and has massive had massive brain damage prior. Um, so, yeah, radiation is one of those questions in my mind. You know, one of those things. Chemo. Uh, this is an ongoing uh, decision that I'm having to make. You know, which we've just been through round two, and it's knocked the crap out of her. And so, these are the daily decisions we have to make. Do we carry on, or do we just? Just do the metabolic approach, and and that's yeah. what yeah. I'm I'm still scared not to scared to. <laughs> and I know what we were just talking with someone else about this lately, where 
you get diagnosed and then it's almost like a rush. Like you have to like get treated, like get the cancer out of you. And it's like, if we had to do it again, you know, we, we really got rushed into the radiology and it was like, you know, if we had to do it again, maybe we'd take a little bit slower pace, you know, like she'd obviously been living with the cancer for probably years. Wow. um, Granted, because she was stage four and it's like, you know what? It's not like it had to be out the next day. You know, we could have probably spread out these treatments, maybe try to lower dose to, and, you know, up to the dosage, that kind of idea. But there's um, so much fear in the beginning that it's yeah. hard not to just, I want it out of me, anything, yeah. do it. Yeah. And the great thing about metabolic treatments is they can work with or without conventional therapy. Exactly. Yeah. That's the important thing. Yeah, yeah. And that, and yeah. that is so true. And, and Bradley, how was it for you as a husband, you know, with your beautiful wife in this situation? How, how did that, that impact you? Um, immensely. And at the same time, uh, I, we kind of had a little tough love. Um, like, I, I, I tried to hide how how much it impacted me from her, right? I didn't want yeah. her to, like, see me crying which yep. happened a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. But, yeah. yeah. Um, get it. But, uh, but at the same time, like when, like we were together, I, I just always had this feeling that she was going to make it through. I don't know Amazing. why, but I was just like, I knew my wife, I knew how strong she was. And I was just like, if anyone is going to fight this disease, it's her. Yeah. And so, there'd be times where I could tell that she needed me to, you know, to be there for her. And I would just be like, come on, you could do it, you know, like suck it up. And, you know, it's like, there's, there's even like a couple of times where she was just like, you know, I I really just need a shoulder to cry. I'd be like, sorry, I'm obviously, I push it too far. I was like, I'm dying of cancer. Like, give me some pity, man. Let me yeah. sit on the subway. And, and I was, I was a little too much like, you know, like your coach at the gym, like, come on. You can do this. <laughs> this is exactly what I do, Brad. This is exactly what I do. I'm a hard ass. Like, and mum's <laughs> like, you know, everybody's like, can't you just give her a bit of a break and have a day off? And I'm like, no, she's got to go. She's got to do, you know, and I'm like, we've got this, we've got this. And people yeah. are just like in my family and they were like this the whole way through with her aneurysm too. And, but that attitude, Brad, is the key. One. I know oh, there are moments when you should be the husband and not the coach, but 99% of the time you do have to be that, and you're so lucky, Maggie, to have that because <clears throat> and it's hard not to, you know, like to be – because it, it, of course I would love to not make her train and not push her through hard exercises and not put her on a horribly strict diet when maybe I'm eating something that she would love to eat or, you know, but I can't. I can't back up. Because yeah. you have to be that that person that is willing to do that because you don't want them to lose them, you know. And, and a lot of people don't get that. Yeah. Being treated like a normal, healthy person like, made me live up to being a normal, healthy person. I yeah, and honestly, that like, yeah, that's really what it was. It's not like I really wrote her. It was just I just kind of treated her like I always had, and she <laughs> was like, I want a, a little more sympathy. Yeah. <laughs> I have months left. I don't yeah. want to go to work. I don't want to. But I yeah. did. I'm so grateful. <laughs> and one of the other. Funny things that she's the one that did the research. She's the one that found all the the metabolic wow. treatments and like reached out to these other um, you know writers and doctors. And so she was like, I was learning through her. So like when I was giving her a hard time, I could tell there were times where she was like, 
should have never told him that. I would just spit her advice back at her and then she would just like that. <laughs> 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 oh. He joined me eventually. Uh, he was amazing. He started eating everything on my diet, which was very restrictive at the beginning. One meal yeah. a day, pretty much a salad. Yep. And uh, he loves the results as well. Like yeah, we're, we're actually in our fifth day of fasting this month. Yeah, we're doing fast wow. right now. Um, Man, you I, got so much discipline. I, I, I've never got mum that far, and I've never got myself that far on the fasting front. <laughs> um, we're not bad. Mum, mum's certainly very strict. I have her on a very strict, but I can't get her to starve. <laughs> she just won't do it. Um, if you do the radiation for her, uh, absolutely. Fasting three days before, I had two rounds of yeah. radiation uh, surgery, yep. for both for two tumors. The first one, I thought I was eating healthy and was good, but still afterwards, I was three weeks in bed, vomiting, sweating, just Ugh. never went to work the worst. Wow. The second time, just six months later, mm-hmm. I walked home from the hospital on a Friday and I went to work that next Monday and I felt great. Wow. And the only difference was I fasted before the second round. Yep. Yeah, and I've heard that. Yeah, uh, and uh, before the chemo or before the radiation? In this case, radiation. Radiation, yeah. Yeah, I have heard that. Dr. Dom, yeah, I have Dr. Actually, Dom Diagostino on, you were saying that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I was going to say, in our uh, yeah. documentary, a lot of the people that we've interviewed, I mean, they swear by this. The idea that is, the, the idea is that the fasting sort of makes your normal cells sort of close up a little bit, sort of yeah. go into like a little sort of hibernation type state. Um, but your cancer cells are still out there, like looking for glucose energy, you know, like trying to like spread. Mm-hmm. So they're, op- so it ends up, they're more open to the radiation and your normal cells are more closed off to it. So it has a nice effect. That was but, such a good explanation there, Brad, because that, that's exactly what it, what it's doing. Eh? And you, you've got some real heavy hitters on this cancer documentary. When I went through the list of people that you have, I was just like, Wow, those are all the people I want to interview too. You know, Thank like you very much. Paul, we are, yeah, we're, yeah, we're very lucky that all these people said yes. Um, um, this community we, has yeah. been amazing. Wow, yeah. Walter Longo's work. I mean, he is amazing what he's done in the fasting mimicking diet, and the, not just for cancer, but also you know just in the fasting realm and for anti aging and in the, the whole thing. Um, and you've got Angela Poff, you've got uh, Jason Fung, you've got oh, you, you've got Dr. Charles Meakin, who I'm hopefully going to be interviewing shortly. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um got an email That's back from doctor. Wow. He's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I loved it. Uh, he went against, you know, when he when he started to realize the metabolic side of cancer and wanted to do some 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 work on there. I remember in, in that little short interview him saying that, you know, everyone else was like, No, 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 we can't be doing that. What yeah. what is going on? Why do you think yeah. there is so much resistance? I read on your website too that the clinical research is takes seventeen years to get into actual clinical into the clinical setting from the lab. So average. I mean, Viagra is probably out in a year. Yeah, <laughs> that has zero profit potential. That's yeah. going to take fifty years. Yeah. Yep, and, th- and this is exactly. This, um, I've got a hyperbaric oxygen therapy chamber, um, yeah. and, and and that is another thing that you 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 should research. I don't know if you've done any research on that for cancers. Well, we got one over here. Yeah. Oh, you got Nap, because that is like for brain. It's not in frame, but yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. 
It's oh, everywhere, yeah. <laughs> oh, amazing, amazing. Okay, so you're all over that because that's another key thing, you know, like when you combine the hyperbaric with the strict diet, with uh, exogenous ketones, which, you know, I've done an interview with Dom D'Agostino just recently and um, put that into mum's protocol. Oh, my God, that made a big difference. The the off-label drugs, you know, all of this is, is – so basically what, we do, what we're saying is like, if we, can we go into the story a little bit about Otto Warburg and, you know, how we, back then, he discovered this metabolic anomaly in yeah. the cells. What happened? Why didn't we follow that up? <laughs> well, I mean, this is the story of our documentary. You, like, just nailed it on the head, which is this, you know, what happened was is that once DNA was discovered, everything just got left behind. It was just, it didn't even matter that there was there were inroads being made and there were discoveries being made in the biochemistry. It was just like, Oh no, it's gotta be the DNA. It's That's- so sexy. It's so yeah, yeah. It's I cool. Know. And yeah. it is, you know, like I study epigenetics and DNA and it, and I got hooked into that and, I, and it is fantastic. Well, epigenetics actually it, uh, is probably part of the, the current, it probably really yeah. is part of the cancer story. Yeah. Genetics is a little different than the epigenetics, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, the uh, just for your viewers that don't know, I am not a scientist, by the way. This is just me, yeah, yeah, me uh, saying what we, the experts that we have talked to, have said. Yep, yep, secondhand. Uh, The the epigenetics is um, sort of something that tells what genes to turn on and off. The genetics are the genes themselves. So, uh, that's, it's a little like external factors. Um, like I, yep. I'll give an example. We all right now, every person listening has DNA in them for prehensile tail. We all have tails in our DNA, but those genes are turned off by our environment, our evolution, all of that. So these genes can turn on and off, be expressed or not expressed. Yeah. And that's every once in a great. while, someone is born in the world with a tail. It happens. Yep. It's yep. like, you know, so Yeah. Because it's yeah, it's it's what the genes are reading, and this is actually um, going a bit off topic. But listening to Dr. David Sinclair, who's written the book Lifespan, which is an incredible book, changed my life. Um, the 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 genes are like a six foot long strand in each single cell that is really tightly wound, and only the genes that are meant to be read in that cell are actually exposed and able to be read. The problem yeah. when we get older. Uh, and what actually causes aging is the ex-differentiation of those cells. And so those cells are becoming, you know, what is a, a, a brain cell starts acting like a skin cell or a skin cell that starts acting like a liver yeah. cell because the wrong parts of the genome are being read and that causes chaos in the cell and that's what's, what's causes aging. Um, and this whole, um, going back to the doc, uh, Dr. Warburg's yeah. story, he was a Nobel Prize winner in 1924, I believe. He, came, uh, he, he discovered what they call the Warburg effect. Can you explain that a little bit? And, um, you know, yes, no. well, it, it is, yeah, we're not yeah, scientists, uh, none of us. Uh, yeah, <laughs> not a scientist, just uh, so I might... That yeah. might not get this exactly right, but the main idea is that um, cancer cells can uh, will will change their way of making energy. Yeah, um, that will most of our cells will use oxygen, which is a much more efficient way of making energy. Cancer cells, even when oxygen is available, they will use fermentation. 
Yeah. Um, and it's a much less efficient way. In fact, it's about a um, 18 to one difference. You get eight, you get one, one ATP, ATP, two ADP. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 30, 36 to, t- to 2 or 18 to 1 depending yeah. on how you know but yeah so the it's kind of this weird phenomenon like why would cancer cells use this much Primitive. much less efficient way to produce energy there must be some other reason for them to do it and that's even though everyone agrees that this Warburg effect is happening it's a fact the why, yeah that's this is a fact but it's the why that we're now trying to figure out. There's sort of a few different uh, different theories on that. Um, we get try and get into a couple of those in the in the documentary for sure. Um, but yeah, it, this was just kind of left behind. Not as it that it was thought to be downstream from the genetics. Yes, but this is the point. The idea <laughs> is that maybe this metabolism, this Warburg effect, is actually driving the genetic changes, like yeah. having. This is, this is, again, the epigenetics, right? So yep. the mitochondria are sending a signal to the nucleus to change the formation, to change the cell. Yep. And that's, and that's the big debate the at the moment. Of the yeah. somatic mutation or the genet- the, also known as the genetic theory. So. Yeah, somatic theory or the genetic theory, yeah. So whereas a genetic theory says that these genes have mutated and caused these changes in the cell, we believe... You know, and uh, it's the other way around. And anyway, it's a bit more complicated than that, but it's not just the genes. Yes, the genes are mutated, but it's coming from this fact that it has a different m- metabolic approach, hasn't it? So yeah. if we, you know, if we can block off the food supply to a tumor, because if we can just put this in simple terms for people to picture, you've got this tumor that's growing. It's very fast growing, so it's it's proliferating very fast, and that is a hallmark of of cancer. And it's it's creating its own blood supply. It's it's you know sucking energy out of the body. It's using up glucose like no tomorrow. Um, and so what we're trying to do is to cut off the food supply to the tumor without killing the patient. And this is like you know how to starve cancer. Uh, title that Jane McLaren had for her book and without starving the patient. And so cutting out glucose is a, is a good place to start. No sugars, no carbs, but it's much more than that. It's actually, you know, the, 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 the fatty acid synthesis, the glutamine, all of these things, even the, even the apoptosis can, can be, become a form of food for the cancer. And this gets quite complex very fast. But what we're trying to do is to block off as many of these food supplies as possible. Firstly, with diet. Secondly, with a combination of off-label drugs and the care oncology uh, clinic um, has a really good approach and so is Jay McClellan's and these are all overlapping and there are some slight nuances as to what things are involved in the protocols and it depends on what your cancer is and how old you are and a lot of other factors. But basically, these off-label drugs, things like uh, metformin and mebendazole and doxycycline and adivastatin, these are commonly available drugs that have got a huge long history, good safety profiles, the doctors know what they do in the body. And these have been shown to cut off different food supplies to the to the to the tumor um, and depending on your type of tumors and whether it's a metas- uh, metastases or a primary and so on as to which tumor pathways you've got to block did i put that nicely <laughs> 
Just interrupting the program briefly to let you know that we have a new patron program for the podcast. Now, if you enjoy Pushing the Limits, if you get great value out of it, we would love you to come and join our patron membership program. We've been doing this now for five and a half years and we need your help to keep it on air. It's been a public service free for everybody and we want to keep it that way. But to do that, we need like-minded souls who are on this mission with us to help us out. So if you're interested in becoming a patron for Pushing the Limits podcast, then check out everything on patron.lisatamati.com. That's P-A-T-R-O-N dot lisatamati.com. We have two patron levels to choose from. You can do it for as little as $7 a month New Zealand or $15 a month if you really want to support us. So we, we are grateful if you do. There are so many membership benefits you're going to get if you join us. Everything from workbooks for all the podcasts, the strength guide for runners, uh, the power to vote on future episodes, uh, webinars that we're going to be holding, all of my documentaries and much, much more. So check out all the details, patron.lisatamati.com and thanks very much for joining us. And the one thing I would like to address right off is the biggest criticism I get promoting this like star cancer idea, even though that's a little simplified, is that, well, your cancer can adapt. It can choose different metabolic pathways eventually. And my answer to that always is it takes time to adapt. And I was given six to eight months to live. Yeah. If my you know starving of cancer brought me another three years of life, this is time to address the next pathway when it comes up and to, you know, wait for the next uh, conventional therapy that might help me and all the new research that's coming out. So exactly. even though a diet's not going to cure your cancer, it's going to buy you time and buy you incredible quality of life. Yeah. And these drugs that you mentioned, this uh, four drug protocol is very low side effects, especially when you compare it to something like chemotherapy, yeah. radiation, yeah. surgery. Uh, it's been amazing. I've been on this protocol for about almost three years now. And it was one of the biggest changes I made before I had that uh, no evidence of disease scan back in 2019. Wow. And how did, so, so with your, with your cancer, did you have to keep developing the protocol because of, because this is a question in my mind too. Okay. I got my mum on this very complex protocol. She's on over a hundred tablets a day, um, plus a strict diet, et cetera, et cetera. Vitamin C infusions were a big part of my protocol, uh, hyperbaric. Um, it is, and we've reversed everything, almost total resolution. Hopefully by now it's total resolution. Um, but is it going to shapeshift? Because cancer is a shape-shifting thing and it does adapt its metabolism. And if it does adapt its metabolism, how do we know what are the things that um, we need to change? So that's one of the, the questions that's running around in my mind. You know, what's working today might not work in six months and how do I then shift you know i've been very at the beginning before i had all of the protocols and things come in i was chucking mud at the wall and i basically had her on everything known to man that i could possibly find <laughs> yeah. yeah and and uh yeah and and she's got a very good stomach i think because she never had any any <laughs> reactions to it. um but it says the question always oh if i leave that one out am i Oh, you know, is that the one, you know, that's, that's doing it? And those are the sorts of questions. And I know I felt the same way. And one thing that we've become very passionate about is the idea of press pulse. And this came from Thomas Seyfried's research. Oh, yes. Yep. College. In DOM. Yeah. 
and it's very supported by uh, like Dr. Chuck Meekin, my integrative oncologist, that, you know, you use it for a little while. Maybe you get some adaption, you back off, you switch to something else, and then you reintroduce it. Right. And that's what's really helpful to me with my 100 supplements I take with yep. uh, oxygen therapy, sauna therapy, uh, just so many things. But you bring them in, you take them out, and you keep cancer on its toes because cancer is you. It's not a bacterial infection, a virus, a parasite, it is your body self and it's as smart as your body is. Yeah. But, you know, you're so smarter and it buys you this time as you continue to adapt to find new methods that are going to help you. And people do actually get cures. I mean, if we look at, like, you know, Jane McClellan, she is cured. I mean, with someone like my mum, it's hard to say if she's cured because we can only ever see in an MRI whether the tumors are there. So there's no blood tests that I could do to say, oh, yep, she's now back to normal. So there is no sort of marker. I was going to say, I would caution people from ever thinking they're cured of cancer because I wouldn't want anyone to ever go back to eating fried chicken. If they, oh, that, no. You know, you know, it's like, I mean, that, you, you pretty much, it's really hard to be completely cured. Your cancer's always everybody somewhere. Has you know, everybody yeah, has cancer. That's it's true. We all have some. Yeah, but, but yeah. my immune system is holding its own, whereas yeah. Maggie wasn't. Basically, that's basically what happened is her immune system couldn't fight it off anymore. Yeah. My immune system, you know, I, I mean, who knows? Maybe I'm, Maybe it's not fighting it off. You're bringing yeah. up a really good point. It is never good to go back to the, yeah, the, the yeah, fried chicken the, diet. Yeah, I don't want people to think like, hey, you just do this for two years and then you can just go back to your old lifestyle. Let's go back to the lifestyle that gave you cancer. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So right there, Maggie. Yeah. That is just such a good on-point thing. And, and 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 most of this is sustainable once you are in it. And at the beginning, yeah, like well, with me, I was like super, super strict with what she ate. It was bugger all. It was one salad a day. Um, and now there's a little bit more because we were running out of protein and albumin and those sort of markers, which are also longevity markers. And, you know, you, if your albumin levels are dropping, you're not going to be around on the planet too long, you know. So you're playing this game. And when you've got someone who's got a bit of cachexia going on and weight loss going on, then you are playing this keep the protein levels up, but don't feed the tumors game. Um, but also uh, keto diets do prevent cachexia. Uh Dr. Adrian Sheck did a lot of research on this and Angela Poff, who yep. talked about the documentary. And it surprises me that some oncologists are so opposed to it when it can preserve your muscle mass while burning fat. So yeah. more this is where I love the exogenous ketones because, yeah. you know, that, that for me with mom was um, I actually got her into ketosis when I put the exogenous ketones in. Even though she was on a keto diet, we were struggling to get into ketosis because of the drug combination and so on. Um, and, and when I put her on the exogenous ketones, wow. And then her weight loss stopped, you know, touch wood. We are, you know, we're stable now on the, uh, with that. Yeah. We actually, um, we were just talking to a maker of ketones and we were, you know, just like, gosh, it would be great if there was just more research on this. And unfortunately, like on, ex- on exogenous ketones Yeah, and just unfortunately, Still coming. Yeah. I mean, it's even further behind the keto diet, right? It's like one, you know, it's like first the keto diet is going to make it through studies. Then the, you know, exogenous ketones are probably going to make it through studies, you know. And if it's me, it's like a low risk undertaking, you know, and, and it, and it helps. I'm on them as well. And even if I'm not on a full keto diet, having ketones in my body, I'm in a light stage of ketosis. 
which is fantastic, you know. Yeah. Um, and, oh, yeah. I was just going to say really quickly, this goes exactly back to what you were talking about of starving the cancer cells, like, well, what are, and, but not killing the patient. Yeah. Your body will just make a metabolic shift from using glucose to using ketones for energy. And that's where these exogenous ketones can come in if you're not, if your body's not making enough of them. Yep. And, and when you're, yeah. when you're 80, like a lot of things don't work in mum's body. So I don't know why she wasn't producing them herself very well, but now she's in full ketosis and we keep that on that ratio, the one to two sort of <clears throat> ratio with her glucose being two and her ketones being, you know, one to two ratio. Um, and I, like I have my, my brother's on the keto diet and he's an athlete and a surfer and, you know, big wave surfer. He's got the nationals this week. So he's gone into full ketosis and he's on the exogenous ketones and that has helped his transition into keto, into the, into the keto diet. Otherwise you get the keto flu and you feel like crap. And it's at that point that a lot of people give up. So having these exogenous ketones can really help just for you know, athletes as well as, you know, cancer patients. But it's really, um, it's it's teaching your body to be metabolically flexible, isn't it? And when you're doing the fasting on top of it and the intermittent fasting or, or whatever protocol you're using, all of that is helping your body to learn to be more flexible and, it, and it's what it can use. And Dom Diagostino said to me um, that ketones, the exogenous ketones, are not fermentable as a food source for cancer. And I think that's, you know, that was the click for me. I was like, okay. Well, if that's the case, then I'll, I'll put it in, in the regime as well. Because before that, I was like, ah, fats, fats, you know, could fats be feeding it? Now, Brad, you've got a, a little video clip, I believe. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I was going to, we can do the yeah. trailer. Um, yeah. And also, we've been talking about Chuck Meekin and these sort yeah. of off-label drugs. So, I have like a one-minute uh, clip of him as well. Yeah, well, let's do, let's do the trailer do the trailer first and then we'll, we'll, we'll see. So for those who are on the podcast and can't hear this, you can watch this on the YouTube channel and I would love everybody to actually go out there and subscribe to my YouTube channel because all my podcasts are up on YouTube as well and you can actually see this, but you'll, you'll be able to get the gist from just listening to it. So um, I've given you uh, share rights there on the, on the Zoom there, Brad, so go for your life. And also this time, as I always do, yeah. just stepping yep. back a little to what we were talking about before with, you know, I, I'm so inspired by Jane, Jane McCullen's uh, yeah. Cure. And some people, I'm so lucky to have found that. But everyone doesn't have to aim for that. I look at somebody like Dr. Nisha Winters that we also interviewed, who's survived 30 years now with her stage four ovarian cancer. Wow. She's never been no evidence of disease, but she's lived such a powerful life helping others. She was diagnosed too late in her uh, progression to ever receive chemotherapy. Yep. And I think that's really what we can all strive for is you wow. know, even if your scans aren't perfect, you can still live such a long, full life and don't give up wow. hope. That is amazing, Maggie. And, that, and she's of 30 years like that, you know? Yeah, she was diagnosed at uh, 19 years old. She just turned 50, I believe. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Great story. Yeah, she was a great interview. Yeah. Okay, I need an intro, don't you, too? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Introduce me to everyone, yeah. please. Yeah. She's not in this trailer because we interviewed her at the, the, yeah. the late. Uh, well, she was a late interview, but yeah. What we will do anyway is link to the um, the website for the Cancer Revolution movie. And what I would ask my followers to do is 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 to maybe make a little donation because this is still uh, being made and it costs a lot to put out this sort of information. Um, so if anybody feels so inclined <clears throat> to to contribute to this work or in other ways as well um, and share 
this with everybody, that would be a huge contribution to this project, which we are all very obviously passionate about this subject. Yeah, yeah. I just want to, yeah, um, it, um, hopefully you enjoyed the trailer, um, but that is my background that looks like we have money. We don't have money. I just do that for a living. So you're very bloody <laughs> so good at that's that. Where it's, that's where that's <laughs> kind of coming from. And, uh, and obviously my wife was uh, lucky, or not lucky, I should say, but just uh, fantastic to reach out to everyone. And we were lucky that they said yes to get those interviews. So Absolutely. Um, well, I think that's it really is a passion project for us. So. And we'd yeah, like um, to offer your listeners and viewers a link you know, to our fundraising page. We yep. can offer a half-price donation to get the full video electronically as soon as it comes out. Just oh, like wow. a pre-buy of the movie, just, just for your listeners. We're doing a um, special. But also oh. access to our, uh, our original music, our posters, and an extra five-minute clip that yeah. Brad has Get some little goodies just the, well, you you know, right, yeah. right away. It's yeah. just about supporting. You know what? I've done a number of um, uh, grassroots documentaries, Brad, you know, with my, my running over the over the decades, you know, like running across the Gobi with a bloody, you know, camera like this and, you know, and had a few on television and on film festivals and so on. I know what it takes to do, I mean, and, and I'm not a filmmaker by trade, but I just bumbled on and, you know, and did these things. It takes a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of money to do this properly. So, you know, you're amazing what you're doing. And, and yeah, people tend to think, oh, you must be loaded or something, you know. But no, that's not necessarily the case. You're just brilliant at it. Um, and this is a, a story that is so important that it is going to save lives if we can get this message out there. And this is what this show is about, is about uncovering the latest, greatest science and giving people that information so that they don't, you know, miss out. They don't die because they didn't know. You know, when I was at chemo a week ago with my mum and I'm sitting there talking to the people around me, none of them know about the metabolic approach to cancer and they're all sitting there eating their sandwiches and their, you know, their orange juice. And I'm just like, oh, my God, you know, like what? Why is this message not getting through? And when I talk to the 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 oncology experts in our, in our country, you know, I've, you know, had a lot of appointments with a lot of different ones. 90% of them didn't know anything about the metabolic approach and some of them did and um, they knew enough to know that, yeah, it's interesting, yeah. Uh, but not enough to know any more than that. And, and it's, Another it's, aspect that we touch on in the documentary is it can actually, you could actually lose your license as a doctor if you like went all in on this. It's yeah. the, the stuff that's so not officially proven yet. It's not officially approved by the FDA yet. I mean, something as simple as changing your diet, right? But it takes three rounds of clinical trials that can cost over a billion dollars. Yeah. And it, that's not going to happen, is it? There's no money to be made by a pharmaceutical company on the other end, like to, to even start the trial. And then once the trial is through, no one can sell you a ketogenic diet. No. So, and this is the problem with so the hard. whole medical, like this is not just cancer. This is why things like hyperbaric never get attention. This is why things like intravenous vitamin C don't get the attention. This is, you know, why we, you know, even in the current crisis that we're all in, there's a lot of things that 
are not right, <laughs> put it that way, you know, without going into a deep hole on that topic. But there is people have to understand there are meta there's 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 money machinery behind all of this. There are reasons why some things get promoted and others don't, and it may not even be malicious intent. It's just that this is gonna make us a lot of money and that one's not gonna make us any money. So why would I spend a billion dollars doing clinical research? Clinical research has very big limitations. The, the, the standard randomized controlled double-blinded trials is not the only way. We have to start understanding that. And if you've got a loved one dying, are you going to wait for the, the clinical trials that are going to take another 20 years to come out? Or are yes. you going to do it now if it's a low-risk undertaking? For me, it's a no-brainer. I want to tell this story without revealing any names, but one of the very prominent cancer researchers in the metabolic field that we talked to uh, is trying to push this metabolic theory and gets a lot of resistance. But he's a neighbor of someone who runs a pharmaceutical company who ended up being diagnosed with cancer and immediately came to knock on his door to say, I can't promote this, but please tell me more about the metabolic therapy for my treatment. Yeah. And it's wow. unfortunately a story we can't tell in the documentary, but it hit yeah. me so hard. Yeah. And it's nobody's individual fault. It's definitely systemic, a problem with the institution. Nobody goes into medicine wanting to hurt other people, but yeah. we have to do something as grassroots, as you say, as individuals, yep. even if it's just uh, anecdotal reports, like your mother, like me, like so many of these experts, they're out there and it could yeah. be any of your listeners who are, are listening to this. Yeah. And, and when uh, people, one, uh, uh, we had one other story again, off, this is off the record. Uh, we can't, can't tell you this person's name, but someone tried to buy this person out so that the information that they are putting out will not get out there anymore. Wow, that is evil. Now, that's evil. Multi-million dollar payout. They wanted to just pay this person to stop doing what they're doing. Wow. The person, of wow. course, didn't, didn't do it. They didn't take the money, but we were just like, uh, I mean, it, this is someone that's in our documentary. We won't tell you who, but all the people, not just list, all the people in our documentary are really legitimate. So that just tells you the level Absolutely. of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and they haven't been bought out. And this is what's happening over and over again in, in this, this whole crazy world that we live in. Some of it's malicious. Some of it's just systemic problems that we've built because of the way we've, we've done things. But this needs to be reassessed. And, and people are dying because of these system failures and because of, yes, some evil people out there doing some evil crap um, and we need to be aware of it and we need to make informed decisions in all areas you know not just in the cancer side but in, in everything and this is where the taking ownership is what this podcast is about taking ownership of your health being in that preventative space doing the the, the testing and preparing and uh, you know doing that extra hard work before you're in the poo you know yeah, well, and tr what, trying to give people a roadmap. I feel like yep. that, that that's really one of the things that we want to, I don't know if that's going to happen in this documentary specifically, but it'll get the information out there. And then, then we'll give you other, you can find other sources like, you know, like our lack is going to be the step one. Yeah. And then you can find all this information out there. I feel like so many people, they just don't know where to start. They don't know what to do. If your doctor doesn't tell you it's so difficult under the stress of this diagnosis to yeah. do the research yourself, you need that roadmap. You need a little hand. Yeah. And, and this uh, is where, yeah. you know, you're amazing, Maggie, because you actually, you know, even though you were sick, put your effort into all this research, which is really, really hard. I mean, I often think if mum didn't have me, who's an absolute science, you know, buff anyway, um, out there researching constantly, 
every day for hours, she wouldn't come across any of this information, you know? Um, and, and they... Um, my family, uh, people we've interviewed are just like, even they have, we have family members that don't believe, like, <laughs> this is my wife has made it, right? Like, it works, right? Yeah, and no. Like, we have other people that we know, very close people that are like, eh, and we're like, uh, so <laughs> but it's your choice and that's fine that's yeah it's your choice form. but yeah it's like and but it's, it's like, the narrative isn't it it's the narrative and it's the, the power of the you know but my doctor said and my doctor is god and my doctor is the only real. one i listen to and I it's like yeah it's there is other doctors and other doctors are saying yeah. this and there is not a unified body of knowledge of, of in science is not unified one doctor will say something and another one will say something else and of course it's very confusing but it's up to you to go and dig through the weeds and find out well who is you know saying the right thing and, and doing the right thing and i've got like you my mum sitting there alive you know what more proof do you want? And they just go, well, that's just an anecdotal story. I'll go, well, it's a freaking important. I mean, scientific theories get overturned. I mean, and they're it, all theories. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. But one thing I'll add, we talk about theories, the somatic mutation genetic theory, the metabolic yep. theory. None of these have been proven. But to me, what proves a theory is a technology that can be built around it. And a PET scan is what's the common diagnosis diagnostic tool for cancer now, that is based on the Warburg effect. The fact that all of our tumors, especially late stage cancers, 70 to 90% consume sugar. And so a PET scan is to inject this radioactive sugar into your body. You wait while it all goes to the tumors and then you can see them. See where the tumors are. Hello. <laughs> yes. They know that. Yeah. And then they'll give you yeah. some orange juice on the way out. Yeah. You know, like, uh, some cookies to go with it. Um, you, they don't get that, that that's what it, you know, there's a reason why they use that in the PET scan to locate where the sugar's been taken up, up to 20 the times the amount. because of the Warburg effect. Exactly. So maybe there's something there. <laughs> and, and what have you got to lose? You know, you have to go on a diet. Yeah. It's not really pleasant, but, you know, <laughs> you know like it, it's better than dying a horrible death. You know, that's why, that's why I'm so passionate Your about Your cholesterol might go be too high on keto. I was like, I have six to eight months to live. I had just... Yeah, that ain't my problem. I saw right. him. Like, high cholesterol is not my concern. Thank you. I tell you what, but in bread, I want to put another, like, you know, once you've got this one out of the way, I've got another documentary that I had dream of making. <laughs> okay. So well, that's I, great. It's here. You'll be like, oh, my God. No. Um, so um, a year and a half ago, I lost my precious dad. And um, he had a massive aortic aneurysm in the stomach. He was a smoker, unfortunately. My dad didn't listen to me a lot, you know, <laughs> um, and smoked way too much. And he had this big aortic break, uh, you know, and they did the operation. He was 81 years old. They didn't even think he would make the hospital, but my dad was incredibly strong and fit. He survived. He survived this massive six-hour operation, 28 units of blood, et cetera, et cetera. And then he looked like he was going to pull through, but then he Develop sepsis. And I was aware of the uh, research around intravenous vitamin C and sepsis. And I uh, was fighting in the hospital to get him intravenous vitamin C. Something pretty bloody simple, right? It is a recognized medication here, um, but not in our hospital. And so I had to fought, I fought for 15 days against the ethics committal, committee and the, the, the staff in the ICU. And I had to get every single one of them board and, and, and I f had to fight to keep them on life support while I was fighting these legal battles, right? Um, and to do something that they had no more answers. There was nothing 
nothing more that they could do. He was dying and they were, and I was saying, well, let me do the intravenous vitamin C. What, what is the, you know, but it was a legal battle, not a, is this going to work? I came with the clinical studies. They said, we don't care about the clinical studies. We're not legally protected if we let you do this. And I'm like, but he's dying, you know, like surely there's a way. Uh, anyway, I, I fought and I fought and I fought and, um, I eventually won the right, but it took me 15 days to do that. And by that time, of course, he had multiple organ failure. He was at death's doorstep. He was expected to die at any moment. And I found a loophole where my GP could come into the hospital and actually administer the vitamin C. Um, and she did that. The very first vitamin C that she did, um, we turned his, uh, C-reactive protein dropped. Uh, in half from 246 to 114 or something. His kidney function went from 27 to 33%. We got him off noradrenaline. He was able to hold his own blood pressure, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, amazing. Like, and he's at death's doorstep. Like we're talking, you know, all the organs starting to shut down. Um, he, we needed it every six hours. The protocol was every six hours, big dosages. And I could only get a smallish dose and I could only get it every 18 hours, every time I had to battle for the second, for the third, for the fourth. Two days later, um, they forced me to take him off life support and we, we lost the battle for him. And, and it was just the most, you know, heartbreaking time of my life because I knew that I had something and had I had that from day one, I believe, and I can never prove this, that my dad would be with me now. And yes, we'd have a big rehabilitation journey. And they were like, but he's 81 and what, you know, and I don't care. This is my dad and he's a fighter and I'm a fighter and they wanted to get rid of him. Once he got to a certain point, there was just like, get this family out of here, basically. That's the truth. You say like, you couldn't prove the effects of vitamin C. The one thing you could prove are the effects of not giving him vitamin C. They knew he was going to die. Yeah. One experiment with something else. Exactly. Why can I not do that? And I pulled out all the stops that you could possibly pull out. And, uh, you know, and they knew that I'm, a, they know I'm an activist in this space. So I, I got listened to because they were scared of the, you know, and they made me agree to a non-disclosure agreement, which I've, just broken by sharing this and I don't care. Um, sue me, you know, I've got nothing to take really, you know, like what are you going to do? You've already like my dad's gone. But I think the, the, a bigger takeaway from what you're saying and that one of the things that Maggie and I tell, try and tell everyone is you have to be as a patient, you have to be your own advocate, yes. right? Do not just listen to what your doctor is saying. Your oncologist or any doctor they only meet with you for a half hour, right? Yeah. Like and Maggie sees her oncologist for like about a half hour, every what three every three months. Yeah. You know, and it's like, and I've got a thousand other patients to deal I with. I know they too. go through some charts and they look at some things before she gets there to familiarize herself with her case. You know, I'm not saying that they only spend 30 minutes a month on her, but there's just no way that this person can know all the ins and outs of what is going on with your body. You as a patient, you know, you, un, you know, you know what's going on in your body. And I'm not saying to like use Dr. Google as your only doctor, but the research is out there. It is so easy for us to get these days. It, I mean, I would just say for everyone out there, take a look, a look online and at least bring some of these things up to your doctor. I mean, that's yeah. a, a, a PubMed and, and you can listen to podcasts with the greatest professors. You can, which is just like going to university and being in their class. 
You know, I can listen to Andrew Huberman or Dr. David Sinclair and I can learn everything from them. You know, it's fantastic. I can read books. Uh, you know, I can go to PubMed. These are good quality. When they say to me, Oh, you're one of those Dr. Google. I, I, I just, it really makes me angry. Where did you learn this in a textbook? I learned it from a textbook online. <laughs> a textbook online. What's the difference? It's all you know? knowledge. And, you know, sometimes your doctors don't have all the knowledge. Um, yep. it, it's just, and they can't, and they're so busy and yeah. they're overwhelmed and they've got a 15 minute slot or 30 minute slot for you. And that's, and then they're on to the next one. So this is where, Very you know, fun. having a coach or having a person that's going to advocate with you, sit with you, research with you, fight for you. Because yes. the other thing that I see is ageism in this, in, in our system, where if you're over 65, get them out of the system as fast as you can into a, either a rest home, which in the case of my mom, they tried to put her into an institution. You'll never cope with her. You're never going to do it because they didn't want me to take her home where she was still in their budget and that's the the, the god honest truth about it you know um and, and and with my dad he's 81 years old you know he's only going to cause more troubles from here on in he's a statistic to them he's my dad you know and i and i lost the battle and i you know i i have to live with that every day i have to live with the fact that there was something that i could have done and i didn't get it done for him Oh, no, you've it, done so It sounds much. like you tried as hard as you could. So. I did, but maybe I should have, you know, done more. I don't know. I, I, I didn't know what else to do at the time, yeah. and, and it's a shame to have been so put in You're working this. within the system, uh, yeah. you know. it's very An intravenous scary. vitamin C, Brad, is one of these things that has got so many 80 years it goes right back to cleaner and uh, Linus Pauling, and and it's, it's 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 just like the cancer story. So if you ever need a next project, yeah, <laughs> come yeah. and see me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and listeners were like, "Oh, there's no evidence for it. There've been two oh solid experiments." Take a look at those experiments because both of them gave the uh, intravenous vitamin C with glutathione, glutathione. So you have an oxidant plus an antioxidant. You're not testing. <laughs> and, and, the, and the other one was the Mayo Clinic one that tried to replicate Linus Pauling's work when he was actually helping cancer patients live four times as long, and he was only giving them 10 grams, um, but they did it orally. Orally is not intravenous. Intravenous works completely different. I've done five podcasts on this subject with different scientists from around the world after my dad died, obviously, to do my, my form of a, of a mini doco. <laughs> <laughs> to get the get information out there so that people do and and my mum is on three times a week 60 grams of vitamin c and that is keeping her well you know that's a really really important part of it so hey guys you've just been absolutely amazing today i just love you guys i think you're just awesome i want to support you in any way i can um so please uh you know let's do more of this and if you can introduce me to any of the other superstars on your I'm keen for making this a, 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 another outlet for you guys to market. Yeah, it something. sounds like you've got uh, Dr. Chuck Meekin coming up yep. and uh, Charles Meekin, and uh, he's going to be a great interview. He's really, uh, uh, it's Maggie's doctor, and that's going to be fantastic, I'm sure. He's so, a yeah, brave we'll and courageous it. doctor. Yeah. I, I, love, I love these doctors that put their asses on the line because they know something is right, and regardless of it's maybe going to hurt their careers. And it may be they even going we've got doctors over here fighting, you know, in this, in this current COVID situation who are standing up for the science 
and and putting themselves on the line. And to me, they're courageous, you know, they're courageous people when they're trying to get the truth out there. Um, and, and we all need to be a part of that, that that story, I think, getting our things about cancer, vitamin C, you know, all of these things are really, really important. Thank you, guys. Oh, yeah, actually, if there's time for just one more. Yes, please, please. With, we were talking about epigenetics before and how that is completely impactful for what is expressed. To me, this means that you are in control of your body. Uh, there's so much of this message. I've heard it from some very important researchers in cancer, like, oh, non-smokers lung cancer at 40, you're one of the unlucky ones. <laughs> I'm not unlucky. There are very clear therapeutic things that I can do that I did to get cancer that I can do to get out of it. And we need to promote this message of you're in control of your me- medical destiny. Uh, don't just listen to somebody else who tells you it's a lost cause or. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, um, that's what I do in my company is epigenetics, right? So we have a, uh, I do DNA testing and we do an epigenetics program, which is looking at what influences your genes and how to optimize your environment to those genes. And that's a very powerful thing because when you understand, uh, you know, just just an example for me, I was an ultra marathon runner, right, for decades. That was the wrong type of exercise for my genes. So I was making my body express in a certain way that was not, you know, um, good for me in the long term. So I had massive amounts of inflammation and infertility and hormonal issues and, and so on and so forth. Now I know what my genetics are about. Then I can go and say, all right, Epigenetically, I am much more suited to doing shorter, sharper, high-intensity trainings that only last for up to an hour. And that's where my sweet spot lies. And I should be doing it at this time of the day and not that time of the day. And I should be eating this type of food and my mum should be eating that type of food. And we can get much more granular now by using this information about the epigenetics. So epi being above and what influences and what turns on and off, for the want of a better description, your your genes, so that it's optimized. It's beautiful, you know, and it's an evolving science and we're getting more and more information. I'd love to take you through that, actually, guys, at some point, you know, do that, yeah. do our epigenetics well, program. Anyway, we've got a few more months before the documentary is going to be coming out, so maybe we can do another one of these. Absolutely. Please, yeah. please do. All right, guys. Well, I will let you go now. Any last words to, we're going to put the links, cancerrevolution.com. Is that right? Uh, uh, cancerrevolution-movie. Oh, sorry. Cancerrevolution-movie.com. Okay. Links will be in the links. Yeah. yeah and we'll get that link. Special link for you. A special link for, for my followers. Thank you very, very much, guys. Actually, uh, one of the really easy ones is if you just go on YouTube, Type in cancer revolution with just, or cancer revolution with just one R, all one word. Mm-hmm. Boom. You're there. See all the clips. Oh, okay. That's brilliant. YouTube. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we'll put that link all in right. as well. Guys, you've been amazing. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much. That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review and share with your friends and head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatarmaty.com. 